Hello, Remote Start Nation, and welcome to Remote Start, the podcast for the individual who wants to start a business, build a lifestyle brand, and do it all while living the lifestyle they desire. Our goal is to help you take that idea, skill, or passion and turn it into a profitable, scalable business that thrives within your community. I'm Jim Doyon, your host, and I am on a mission along with special guests to help you understand yourself, the lifestyle you truly want from your business, and what it takes to start and scale it through systems and creating a sought-after brand. Regardless of the industry or where your small business is at in its growth stage, Remote Start is packed with lessons, stories, and the do's and don'ts of how to get where you want. So my simple question to you, what are you ready to start? If it's in business, branding, or lifestyle, then start it now and join the Remote Start Nation. Without further ado, let's get this show started. What is up, Remote Start Nation? Let's get something started. I'm Jim Doyon, and welcome to another episode of Remote Start, where I bring you stories and strategies on how to start a business, build a brand, and create your desired lifestyle. Today, we're going to be covering starting small, systems and scaling, laziness and procrastination, not your perspective, and last but not least, ethical profits. To share these and drop a ton of value for you, I have brought on a very good friend of mine, Ken Cook, also known as Cookie. Cookie and I met years ago at a tattoo convention, and from the minute I met him, it was one of those people that you meet, you see, and you're like, that dude and I are so well like on the same level. I got to talk to him more. We're both in the tattoo industry together. I knew that before even meeting him, that it was someone that everybody was like, dude, you guys are alike. You need to talk to him. You talk business the same. You have the same thoughts. Like, you need to meet Cookie. Little did I know that I was going to be blown away by how awesome this dude was. And years later, we're still great friends. And the thing that's kept us together more than a lot of things is the fact that we both have this huge connection for entrepreneurship and business. And so this is an extreme honor to bring him on today to share with you and and help us to all grow from what he's done in his career. Cookie is a serial entrepreneur. He is co-owner and managing partner of Rebel Muse Tattoo Studios with four locations across the country and more in the works. Today, Cookie is going to be dropping knowledge and shooting it straight with no bullshit on how he's grown to the success in his business that he has. So without further ado, Cookie, welcome to the Remote Start Nation. Jim, it's good to see you, brother. Good to see you too, man. I'm so stoked that you're here. Flew in from Salt Lake today? Yeah, yeah. Flew in from Salt Lake. I had a little thing going on up there with a a company that that I'm involved in called Bad Dog Gang. Awesome. Um, yeah, flew in from Salt Lake, but uh, man, it's been so long. It's great to see you. It's awesome, man, and I'm I'm truly honored that you flew here to be on the podcast and spend uh, spend some time with me before you fly out back home tomorrow. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, man. I'm I'm stoked. I appreciate it, brother. So um, let's get this started, man. Let's I, do it. <laughs> I, I want you to tell the remote nation, remote star nation, tell tell them so, where you're from. Tell them your background, what you're doing now. And, and more importantly, tell them, I want to know that one moment in your life when you were like, I need to start my own business. I need to do this on my own. All right. All right. Let's go. So um, 
guys and girls, you can probably hear I've got a bit of an accent. Um, that, so I, <laughs> I hope you figure that out. Uh, born and raised in Perth, Western Australia. Um, I'm a high school dropout. I left school at 15 years old. I hated school. I love the social aspect. I'm a social guy. Um, and and I, I think Jim can vouch for that. You know, we're, we're both pretty social people. I think that's why we hit it off. I think so. I love people. I love getting to know people. Uh, I love, like, the, the comedy that, you know, comes with hanging out with people and, the you know, the funny shit that happens. So, uh, you know, I, I'm in high school. I, I hate the education aspect of it, but I love my friends. You know, I love, you know, chasing girls and just, you know, being a young kid growing up in Western Australia. Um, I was racing motocross at the time and just, you know, living my living my best life as a little West Aussie whippersnapper, you know. Um but I'm getting into more and more trouble in school. Um, so I reach about 15, 15 and a half years old. And, uh, you know, I tell my mom at the time, I don't want to go to school anymore. And she comes back with, you don't have to. And wow. I'm like, I'm like, bet. Okay, sweet. Deal. So I'm like, you know, okay, home free. And then she hits me with the butt. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, there's a butt. She's like, but. If you're not going to go to school, you need a full-time job. And I'm sure, like, you know, stuff's changed. Rules have changed. I'm 30, uh, 38 years old right now. Um, so this is a while ago. Uh, but back then, I was I was able to leave and get a full-time job. So uh, I start looking for work. Um, and honestly, like, work didn't appeal to me till later in my adult life. Like, I was almost kind of bitter, you know. I would see people like, you know rich kids and stuff with and I and I felt that their life was easy and I wanted that and I didn't have that and so to do what I had to do to pursue my dreams and to even just live the lifestyle that I wanted to live on a day-to-day basis I I did have to go to work um so I I I looked for jobs I didn't really find anything that really I was all about but I but I did find a a program at a tech school uh to be a mechanic so I signed up for that. Um, it was a six-month course, and after that, you were not guaranteed, but it was unlikely that you weren't going to get an apprenticeship. So I signed up for this course. Uh, to get there, I had to take a bus, two trains, and another bus. So I would leave home at 4.30 every morning. I would get there by, you know, I want to say like quarter to eight. The class starts at eight. I would get there by quarter to eight, and then I would take a bus, two trains, and another bus to get home. Did that for six months. Uh, six months, scored an apprenticeship at a BMW dealership. And I'm naturally good at fixing cars and working on cars and bikes and stuff like that. But I've never actually liked it. So I did this job for five, six years. And I, I again, I love the social aspect. I would fuck around half the day. Yeah. But uh, I hated it. Uh, I got sent uh, over east for training. And, you know, it's the best scenario that like a young kid could have starting out in the workforce. And the pay wasn't terrible. Um, but it just, it wasn't me, you know. Um, just because you're really good at something, it doesn't mean that you're going to love it. So know? true. So, um, basically, you know, throughout this time, I'm racing dirt bikes. And I'm like, man, I wish I was fast enough to do this for a living kind of thing. Uh, I was following the American scene. I, I loved what I saw in America. I just loved everything. The bikes, the cars. Just It just seemed like a magical place to me. And uh, 
So I stuff didn't work out being a mechanic. I just started getting into too much trouble at work. And it was kind of a thing where they were like, hey, dude, you can leave or we're going to force you to leave because you're a fuck up. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, cool, um, I'll go. Um, so I kind of got more into construction and I and I enjoyed that because I like being outside and, and, you know, we could mess around more with buddies and stuff. But it still wasn't me. So long story short, you know, um, I come to the States with a buddy. We go on like this traveling holiday for like a year. We'd saved up like, you know, I think we saved up like 50 grand each. And uh, we're ready to just come over to the States and party. We did some riding. We followed the motocross around. You know, we'd go, we'd go to Vegas. Uh, we'd go to Canada. How so, long were you here for? So I was here almost a year. Okay. Uh, and it was just a party. It was crazy, you know. And doesn't uh, sound like I'd enjoy that at all. No, nah, no, that's, that's <laughs> not that's not us at all, right? <laughs> yeah. Now J- Jim forced us to bring a bottle of Jameson into the studio to record this today, which you know I, I wasn't against. But, uh, you know, that was a good year of my life. And uh, if anything, that set in stone where I wanted to be in the future. I loved it over here. I love this country and I didn't want to leave. So uh, when I finally got to come back, you know, with a, with a U.S. visa, um, I was working in a tattoo shop. And I saw the flaws. Uh, I, I worked in... I want to say two or three tattoo shops and I saw the flaws. I saw how it was run bad, how owners didn't give a shit about their people or their clients or anything. And I, I felt like I could do it better. And, uh, I guess that was my turning point where I was like, I'm going to, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to tattoo and we're going to learn how to do this. We're going to open shops and this is what we're going to do. And that's an awesome journey to get here, man. It, and it, now now to get where you are, like you've got four studios, you guys are planning to launch more, you're planning on launching other areas in the tattooing world, and you're continuously growing your brands that you're part of. But you didn't start there, right? You started, no. you started small. And so, you know, you, you're working for someone else. You understand what you need to do to get that at, to that next level. You understand that you are going to leave and, and start your own thing. What'd you do there? Well, it's kind of funny because what I did, I implemented what I wanted to do in somebody else's business. And honestly, really without their permission, it was beneficial for sure. Yeah. But um, I was so ready to like jump in and give it a try that I just started doing stuff in their business that I felt would, would be beneficial and, and would attract more clients and be better for artists. And that's kind of how I like, you know, dip the toe in the water. And you're very business minded in the fact that you really believe in systems and processes and, and coming up with a foundation and, and scaling it from there. Totally. So, so with starting small and, and, you know, talk to me about your first studio and, and opening that up and what that was like. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was actually a really fun time because, uh, you know, we weren't, we weren't broke, but we didn't have money. Yeah. You know, and we had to be very careful of what we took on as far as overheads. So, uh, you know, my wife and I and our business partners, we kind of found a spot that that worked for us financially. It, it wasn't anything impressive, you know. Yeah. It was something that we knew if we didn't have any artists 
and, you know, any any employees, any any contractors, anything like that, we could handle it on our own. And at this point, is it just the four of you tattooing? Because you were also tattooing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did tattoo back in the day, and I, I still tattoo from time to time now. It's just rare, you know. It's like close friends and stuff. Um, I love tattooing, but I I, I honestly feel like these days you have to be so art driven and passionate about it because the competition is so fierce and my true passion is business, not tattooing. Yeah. And you've obviously shown that with, with what you've built over the years and, and obviously you have partners. So when, when you first started and knowing that you were going to open up your own location and shop and did you think from the start, like, Hey, I'm going to, uh, Liz and I, and my wife, we're going to, get partners we're going to find partners like how did that work with you and your partnership <clears throat> yeah actually we we did think that and uh here's here's the the thing with that uh you know liz and i at the time were traveling so much so half of our year was spent uh overseas doing like tattoo conventions and stuff like that so we really felt that if we were going to kick this off and here's the thing that i learned too back then i was scared to jump all in I was I was always looking for a safety net. Yeah. I, I don't do that anymore, you know? Um, but back then, I did want a safety net. Um, and for me at the time, that safety net was having a business partner that could help look after the studio that we're when we were away and a situation that would be beneficial for both parties. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my business partner, Dave, he had young boys at the time. He needed to be right there in Dallas with something stable and steady. And we needed the opportunity to travel. So we, we, we had two different needs, but we both needed the same thing at the same time, you know? And now looking at it and where you've grown, do you think you'd do it by yourself? Or do you do you know in your heart that you could not be where you're at today with the Rebel Muse studio without the four of you? Yeah, 100% where we are today would not happen without the four of us. That's incredible. Um, it is because, and a lot of people ask me this question like, oh, what's it like having business partners that must suck? Yes, it does at times. You know, four people don't think the same. Right. But um, it's been crucial to our success. And it's it, a business partnership is like a marriage, you know? It, it can be great or it can be an absolute disaster. But either way, you've got to put work into it. Yeah. Um, I feel like, the direction that we've gone, four of us bring all, you know, di- different attributes to the table. Now, did you set up in the beginning or have you now set up to say like, okay, Cookie, my role is this. This is what I'm going to do. Business partner number two, this is what you're going to do. Business partner number three, this is what you're going to do. Like how how did that work out? Yeah, that, that was a crazy evolution because uh, it wasn't always like that. And I, I feel like, it's so easy to look back now and be like, oh, what were we thinking? But uh, back in the day, we all just tried to do everything. And that doesn't work, you know? Yeah, it's, you have to have those defined lines. And, yes. And it's okay. And, and I say this from, you know, Remote Star Nation, for those of you that don't know, I still have a business partner in, in Woodward Movement with Nathan, who we've been together since the start of Ink Addict. And we started the same way, Cookie. It was yeah. like we both jump in, but it was always like Nathan understands brands. He loves brands. He is like the go-to for brands. And, and Ink Addict was his his brainchild. Yep. So it was always, hey, when you when it comes to a decision, 
that is the final decision for Ink Addict, that's on you. Yeah. Like, I want you to make that decision. And so we had that definite, that fine line, but there was always a little bit of blurred vision, right? Like where we knew totally. we could, we could, we could jump in together. But when it came to it, if he spoke his mind on something, I was backing off. And on the business side of it and, and some of the marketing and some of the other th- the things that we did, it was it was the complete opposite. He would let me have those decisions. And that, I think, makes a true partnership work. And the ones that don't, I think, are the ones that stay together for a, a, a long period of time without understanding what that clear expectation of each other is. Yep. And it sounds like you guys have found that out now. Yeah. Yeah, it takes work, you know. Um you've you've really got to play on on your strengths and like like i said in the beginning we all did a bit of everything and when you break that down it, it doesn't make sense you know like uh my i'm good with people i feel like i understand people and i love people getting to know people and helping people um a lot of like artist brains don't work like that um artists can be very reclusive and very focused you know and not really people people. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of artists are very introverted. And between the four of you, I think that's why you do so well is you're all so diverse in your own ways. Definitely. So you started small, start with one shop. You had to do something to get to where you are now. And, and you know, I know you are a systems person. Talk about that for a minute. Like, how did you, what, what systems did you use? What did you implement to get to where you are or from where you were to where you are now. Yeah, totally. So our first studio, it wasn't anything super impressive. Um, we started off with 1,200 square feet, and then we pretty quickly doubled the size of that in the same location. Um, and honestly, we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants, you know? We were, we were pretty young at the time. Um, our studio, like I said, it wasn't anything impressive. We'd finished it out nice, but it was very much so on a budget and so were our systems we didn't put money into systems um so my business partner so so i have three business partners uh one is my wife liz and the the other two are a a married couple as well david and ellen david is an incredible tattoo artist and ellen is an incredible businesswoman so ellen and i we would spend a lot of time working on the same stuff, not even realizing and not getting the results that we wanted. Um, and she comes from a very corporate background and is highly intelligent and wanted, had kind of showed me like, hey, what if we did this? Like this would happen and this would make this easier. And, and I'll be honest, I was a little bit reluctant at first because I didn't want to, I didn't want to like tarnish the freedom of the tattoo world. Yeah. And uh, I spent a lot of years like reluctant to really, to really change to not tarnish, you know, what we had in tattooing, which is very special and ve- very much like you know, fuck you, I do what I want. Yeah. Um, and I started to see that the, that the industry was changing, and if we didn't evolve, and modernize, and get systems, that we weren't going to be successful. So, um. <clears throat> I guess once I got on board with that, you know, I brought ideas to the table. Alan would bring ideas to the table, and and collectively we would we would come up with these ideas. Well, let's do this. We'll make this easier. So, I guess uh, one of the first systems that we uh, that we did was we brought in a uh, 
electronic sign-in forms. So we cut out paper. We, we don't use paper in, in, in the sign-in process. Um, and not only... So, so it sounds like a thing like, okay, well, big deal. You don't use paper. But this created a whole different um, way for us to market. So by using an electronic form, so customers would come in, they would sign in on an iPad. They have to put their email in. They have to put their, their phone number. They have to sign up for a mailing list. So now we have a mailing list. We have a database full of clients that we can tap into at any time, you know, to promote to. And it, I, I guess it was at that point that like a, a light bulb kind of went off. The like, yeah. oh shit, we actually have something here. So and that's a lot of people that you are coming to see you anyways, and they're they're loving what you're doing, and the tattoos that you're putting out are incredible because that's what David and Liz are doing, and they're the yeah. top at that. They're the yeah. best. So and and now you're building a team around them, and you and Ellen are working together as a team to grow this brand, and now you have this list that's in your ecosystem. And not only are they so stoked on the tattoo they just got, but now you're delivering value and and everything else to them that they're repeat customers. Totally. And uh, so, and and it just evolved from there. Like once once we realized what like what we had in our hands, we were like, oh shit. So yeah. then it was like, hey, let's make sure every client does a Google review, and let's act and beyond that, let's make sure every client does a Google review but let's make sure every client does a five-star Google review. And if it's not going to be a five-star, let us know and we'll fix it. Yeah. What What was wrong? What What could we have done better? You know? And even that, it, it doesn't sound like a system, but it is a system because every time one of our managers checks out a client, you know, they, they, they finish their tattoo, they go to the front of the studio. Okay, that's going to be whatever it was, cost for today. And, uh, hey, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star Google review. And if you didn't have the best experience, you know, feel free to let us know why and we'll make it right. And, and hammering people for that. I think our uh, Texas studios have somewhere in the realm of, you know, like, you know, 800 to a thousand Google, like five-star Google reviews. It's incredible. It's, it's a big deal. And especially when you're putting, (laughs) it's not like you're selling a t-shirt. It's not like you're selling a product that someone can rebuy and or you make a mistake and you send them a new one. You're putting a tattoo on somebody that's there forever. So to have that level of review and quality, like, first of all, you're putting on an incredible quality, right? Like Correct. you hire the best people in the industry to come in and work on your team because that's what you expect. Yep. And so you provide that. So then it comes down to customer service. Totally. In which you train your managers, you have that background, dealing with people, you understand it, and you make sure that everybody that walks to your door has the best best experience possible. Yeah, and you have to create that. You have to create the experience. The, the experience won't happen if you just sit back and think like, oh, I hope they like my place. That's It's not going to happen like that. So, you know, someone comes in the door. Hi, you know, stand up, eye contact, all those simple things, but they get forgotten. Um I, you know, I was in Salt Lake for the last couple of days and I, I visited a local studio there and there's a girl sleeping on the fucking couch. Wow. An employee. Like, wow. it's just crazy to me. You and know? I just want to make sure that this wasn't yours. This wasn't no, your studio. No, 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 this no. This is a different yeah, studio yeah. walked into. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is, a, I'm, I'm not going to name names or call anyone out, you know, but uh, yeah, this was a studio, not, nothing related to us whatsoever. 
I just, you know, went to visit a friend there. No, the, there's I, an employee asleep on the couch. Like, this is crazy. I've known you for like 10 years, right? Probably, give or take a yeah. couple. 10 years ago, you probably would have picked that employee up and thrown him out the door and said, don't come back. Yeah. So now, how would you handle that now? I'm very patient. I feel like I've gained <laughs> a lot of patience. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know what? I, I, I feel like now it wouldn't get to that point. Yeah. Honestly. Um. Because I feel like we, our hiring process is, it's a process. Um, we'll get tattoo artists that are very surprised that we have a two-step interview process. Because they're expecting to shoot an email or, or a DM on Instagram, ask for a job and they're hired. And it doesn't work like that with us. Um, we go through a, a two-step, normally two interviews. Which is why you have the level of reviews and everything else that you do. Yeah, but it, but it's funny that you that you say back in the day because I, I was feisty back in the day. <laughs> that, that, you know what it is? I, I don't take it personally anymore. Yeah, you can't. You, yeah, you can't at all. Um, the stuff that used to keep me awake at night, it just doesn't happen anymore. So we talked about starting small. We talked about systems and scaling. You know, tell the remote start nation, Cookie, if there's one thing that, you know, from the start, to now, and even in the future of continuing to grow and scale, what's one thing that you can tell the, the share with them that has helped you to achieve success? And it might even be something that like, you know, you, you weren't good at before, you're continuing to get, get, get good at it, and you want to continue to grow. And, you know, what would that be? You know what? Um, I, I think it changes over time. It, like my definition of success has evolved. Yeah. Um, I want to say in, in the beginning, like it was more just the fact I didn't want to be told what to do. So I didn't want to work for anybody else. Um, now I, I want to help people. Yeah. Um, it, I get a kick out of helping somebody. I get a kick out of seeing our crew like, you know, Maybe they, they qualify for their first home or they they can afford to start a family or their credit is good enough to buy a car. Um, that That's kind of like, to, to me, that's what drives me these days. Um, back in the day, I so my parents divorced when I was about nine years old and uh, they're on great terms these days, but, but back then that was a rough time for us, you know? Uh, and when it was me and my mom and she lived paycheck to paycheck and tried to make sure I had a great life. And I felt that pressure as a kid and it, it, it instilled something in me to where like, I never wanted to feel that again. I never wanted to be broke. I never, I wanted to be, have money. I wanted to be rich. I didn't want to live paycheck to paycheck. And, but I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So you kind of go from being bitter to, all right, I'm going to get this for myself to like, okay, well, this is kind of cool. Like this is making a difference to like, fuck now. I just want to help other people, you know? Um, you think that had to change at all when you had your first child? Yes. That, that was a, that was a crazy thing. Um, everything changes, doesn't it? Everything. Perspective, yeah. everything. Yeah. And people, people tell you it's going to change. And, uh, I, I feel like I live every day to the max, you know, like I like to have a good time. Um, 
I, I like to work hard, play hard. Yeah. Uh, having having my my daughter, you know, my, the first child, it was it was a thing that everyone said. Uh, I was always like, well, I'm going to wait till the right time. You know, I uh, when it's the perfect time, we'll have a kid. I might have been one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny thing because everyone says there's no perfect time, just do it. And I'm like, no, no, there's a perfect time like in life, age, financially, I've, I've got this covered. Like I know everything, yeah. you know? And then she arrived and I was like, fuck, I wish I would have had her 10 years ago. She's incredible. Exactly. There is no perfect time. And there's no perfect time to start a business or or make a change in your, in your own life. You know, that's that's the reality of it. So let's talk. Let's talk about uh, you know personal qualities and qualities of of you know employees and and even remote start nation. You sitting at home or, or listening in your car. You know, growing a business isn't easy. We know that. Building a brand isn't easy. There's certain qualities that take us to another level. And Cookie, you've been able to grow to an, an awesome level, and, and you're just at the start. You are just starting to where your your level is going to be. So, you know, one t- one topic you and I wanted to talk about was laziness and procrastination. Yeah. And I know that's something that really hits home with you, and you know, me too. Like I, it's it's easy it's easy to procrastinate. It's very easy, and it's easy to wait till the last minute to do things. But to achieve the level of success that you have, like you can't procrastinate, you can't be lazy. So t- tell me about that. Talk to talk a yeah, little bit about that. So you know, um, and just so everyone listening knows, you know, obviously, you know, um, th- this this podcast today, it's pretty it's pretty candid. But obviously, we we talked about some topics, you know, before we got here in the studio to to record this, and. Uh, I'd mentioned to Jim that a topic that I want to bring up is is laziness and procrastination because I'm I'm bad about both of those things. Um, I feel like I'm in business because I'm lazy, and it's funny because someone had told me that like years ago. Um, I do this because I'm lazy, and I thought it was like the dumbest thing you could ever <laughs> say because I'm like, man, you work harder than anybody, and you say you do this because you're lazy, and here I am eating my own words, like being like, oh shit, me too. I'm, I'm lazy. That's why I do this. Um, it's la- laziness is a funny thing because I'm a very hard worker. Um, and I can also be like the laziest guy in the world if I'm not driven by something. And for me personally, I'm the least lazy when I have the most on my plate. When I have the pressure on me, I, I thrive with pressure. And to a fault sometimes, you know, like I, but I, I truly feel like the more you put on my plate, the better I perform. Um, and, and laziness is different for everybody, you know, like, um, it could be like, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to wash my clothes. I don't want to work out. I, I don't want to submit these reports to, you know, to the, to the financial team, whatever it is. Um, it's different for everybody and laziness can be broken, but procrastination, like it's a, it's a killer. Um, the, the best time to do something in your business or your your company or your solo deal, your entrepreneurship is right now. And, And I really can't stress this enough. Um, 
And I know this from experience because, like I said earlier, I'm so bad at both. Um, I will push something to the last minute and just, like, fly by the seat of my pants and, and get it in just on time. But um, I feel like to have true success, you have to grow past that point and push yourself into the uncomfortable. So if you if you have, like, a two-week deadline, yes, you could probably knock it out on the, on the 14th day. But but why? If you if you're sitting around right now watching cartoons or you know smoking weed or doing doing some like unproductive shit, do do your deadline and then enjoy yourself. Um, this is a big thing that I've had to learn and I've had to push through. And I work around a lot of people who don't have this issue. And when you when you work around these people who don't have this issue, you kind of feel like an idiot. Like yeah. you're like, no man, I got to step it up. And uh, you know, as Jim had mentioned, we have four studios now. We have uh, we're about to get into the to the beauty and med spa space, and this sort of behavior just doesn't cut it. You know, you have to you have to step it up. Um, and that that's the, the the biggest piece of advice I could give, especially if you're a little newer into you know you know starting your own brand or your own business is uh, don't wait, do it right now. If, if there's something that needs to be t- taken care of, if you own the if you're in a clothing brand and you have an order come through at 7 p.m. at night, package that shit up and send it out then, you know? Take it to the post office the next morning. Because I tell you what, if that person gets that order like two, three days before they expect it, they're going to be stoked and they're going to support you. So is there something that you've done to help you overcome your... And, and I would... Like, laziness is a crazy word, right? Like, it could be taken a lot of different ways. Yeah. But, like... I, w- I would never, ever look at you and think that you're lazy. Like, you you know, you called yourself that at one point and, and whatever else. But, like, I don't, I would never think that, yeah. right? Procrastination, that's a different story. And I think that with proc- procrastination, it's very easy to put it off. And you gave great advice about getting it done now. Get it done now and then do whatever you were going to do before. Do it after. So is there is there something that you started doing to help you improve on that? Or did you just say, hey, I'm going to change? For me, it's routine in the morning. Yep. And I had to work with a coach to help me to get here. But it was, it was sitting down every single morning in a routine, planning out my day. Every Monday, I have a, a full schedule where I try to time block everything I'm going to do for the week. And, and I start with my most important things first. Yep. I never used to do that. And what it would do is it would be in my mind and in my mind and in my mind and I'd think about it and I'd go over it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't act on it. I wasn't being lazy on it, but I wasn't getting the job done. And yep. whether that was fear or whatever that is, the point is it has to happen now. And so my routine was is today is sitting down and writing it out and time boxing it and then crossing it off. Is there something that you did that started to make the change for you there is, and I guess I'm going to give a little bit of a shout out here. Um, I, I don't, I don't get to listen to the guys much these days, but I was starting to listen to actually a lot of Andy Frisella, uh, uh podcasts. You know, and if if you're not familiar with Andy, he's the CEO of First Form Supplements. Um, he's a very talented motivational speaker and very talented business businessman, and he talks a lot about his top five list. And it's basically the top five that you need to knock out in a day. And I also, you know, he's not the only one that talks about this. You know, a lot of people that are at the top of the game talk about knocking out the top five. And so I made it my goal. Um, I'm pretty good about storing stuff in my head. Um, 
I'll make lists and put calendar notes when I need to, but I'm I'm pretty go- I'm pretty good about having stuff in my head. So so mentally, you know, I I prepare by you know when I go to bed at night, I think about my top five, and I don't write it down on purpose. I, I kind of I do this as a thing. This works for me, and it's whatever works for you to to help you with you know to stop procrastination and to, to not be lazy. Uh, but for me, you know, I lay down in bed at night and I can't relax until I think about my top five. So that might be like, okay, all right, Monday night, tomorrow's Tuesday morning. Um, I've got like a 9 a.m. artist review. I've got a 10 a.m. Uh, consulting call. I've got to get banking done by 11. Um, I've got another call at this time. And I, and I go through that in my head. So that way I, I can go to bed, you know, have a restful sleep and I wake up the next day and I can crush those goals. And if I crush them by 2 p.m., cool. So at that point, yeah, you could go home, but really you've just found an extra three to four hours, you know, where you can work on stuff to build your brand more because you you did the hard shit or the shit that you didn't want to do. Um, so for me, it's just like really like recognizing what you have to do and making it a priority. And, and even prioritizing because um, you've really got to like break it down like, okay, these are my priorities and but are they are they really like what, what's going to help grow my business? Is this really a priority, you know? Is it going to move the needle? Exactly. Is this phone call really like worth my time? Yeah. Because um, I think when you're younger in business, you spend a lot of time playing the part of business and not actually getting business done yeah and i think that's a thing that everybody has to learn and kind of go through well when you when you have a family like you and i do there's only so many so many minutes in the day and you have to prioritize and it took me a long time to figure that out and i know it's something that is deep in your heart and me too like it means the world to be able to spend time with my kids you know whether that's take my kids mountain biking you know hanging out with my daughter, doing doing whatever it is to be f- with family. And I can't do that unless I move the needle on the other things. Exactly. And so you have to move those. You have to do the things first. So don't be lazy. Don't procrastinate. And it's something that if you're not good at it, that's okay. But but start getting good at it today. Yeah. Make that make that move. So Cookie, I want to I want to move from you know, talking about being lazy and procrastinating to, you know, back to kind of like managing people. Yeah. And that's not easy. I remember one of the times I thought, you know, that I was on top of the world as a business owner is when I had 28 employees. But when it, in the end, what happened was I was actually the most miserable I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I, rem- I, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think if I would have had better systems and processes in place, maybe it would have been different. I think if I would have set it up to different, you know, levels of hierarchy within the company to manage and, and other people manage others, I think it might have been better. But I was young and, and you learn from your mistakes. But I know one thing from that. It's it's you learn so much from managing others and you could take those lessons and continue to grow, you know, throughout so what's one thing that you can help Remote Star Nation with that, you know, you manage a lot of artists, you manage a lot of individual personalities, and that's not easy to do. <laughs> so throughout the years, what's what's one thing that you can say that's helped you 
to be a better manager of people. Totally. Yeah. So I used to get so fired up over other people's actions and you can never control what somebody else does. You can only control how you react to any given situation. So, you know, I've, by nature, I have kind of a short fuse, you know, and it's something that I've tried to work (laughs) on over the years. And, uh, but I used to get so bent out of shape about what other people would do. And you really have to look at, you you know, not every situation's the same. Like I, I call it like, you know, like you're like, you know, your point of view or someone else's point of view. And, uh, or, or they're like, you know, their point of the field. Like they're on one place of the baseball field. I'm on a different place. It's going to look different, you know, from for both of us. And you have to be respectful of that person. When you're managing people, if you don't like respect and understand people, they're not going to give you the respect back. So true. Um, and like listening is a big part of that. Like listen to people's concerns. Um, I see it day to day. Like, you know, I'll I'll go get, you know, you know, go have like a a lunch, whatever, you know, even, even a casual lunch, you know, and I'll see a restaurant manager like blasting their stuff and just like the, in the most horrible way. And is all you do is create resentment. If you, if you don't understand and respect people, you just create resentment within your company. So, um, I would say really like, listen to people, take their concerns seriously and no one no one can show you your faults better than your own employees or your own staff. Um, and if you're not willing to take that seriously, you you really need to check your own ego and figure out like, you know, it, it's it's not it's not a them problem, it's a you problem. And a lot of people, a lot of businesses in general, you know, we could relate this same topic to your customer. And in <clears throat> a lot of businesses I've seen and 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 coached or talked to they have this product that they think is incredible and they just want to throw it down everybody's throats and, and get it out there. But what they don't do is they don't look at the the perspective of the customer. They don't listen to what the customer says. They're not, they're not bringing that in and changing to make the decision for the customer and be like, oh, I love that product. That's something I want. And they fail because of that. And as managers, a lot of times we fail because we for, we don't do that. So that's you've started to evolve that into your business and, and have you seen your business grow because of that? Definitely. Yeah. So, you know what we do do these days, you know, we, we go get a coffee together and we talk or we have meetings that are with positive outcomes. Um, It's so easy to like want to be a manager and be like, do what I say, but it just, it doesn't work like that for everybody. So um, I've noticed that you have to evaluate your person and what their strengths and weaknesses are and what accelerates them to like do better and be better and be happy, you know, F- figure out that stuff. Cause if you can't figure that out, you're just going to be like, you know, butting heads the, the whole way. Um, take the time to know your staff and your people and your team and, yeah. and give them the respect that they deserve because we you know, without our team, we don't have a, we don't have a business. Correct. And is that something you've always had that, has it always been like that or has this evolved because of mistakes? This, this has been an evolution. Um, we've had, uh, you know, people leave over the years or people get fired 
and I've I went there's there's been a couple instances that I wish I would have handled better. You know, if I could go back, I would change them because um, I didn't handle it well. Um, I was you know young as a business owner and, and immature in some aspects, and I wish I could go back and change it. But you know you can't do that. Um, we can just learn and, and do better in the future. But it's for for us, it's like creating that company culture is so important that it's a it's a big deal. You know, we we all had to check ourselves as owners. Yeah. So talk about company culture for a minute. What are some of your values? Yeah. So um, so so we have we have two sets of values. Uh, the value as a, as a company for for all of us is to put out an exceptional product. You know that customers love. To have an to have a great work environment. You know that's full of like you know that's a happy place. That's everyone's positive and uplifting. And uh, and and to respect to respect our people, you know, to respect our clients, to respect our staff. Um, we want the, we want the, the culture to feel like if your mom was walking into our studio for the first time, you know, and my mom is in her sixties. If she walked in, I would want her to feel comfortable and safe and be like, all right, I'm in good hands. And yeah. that's, that's what we, uh, that's what we push. Um, but we do have a thing that's you know that's part of one of our core values as owners is our ethical profits, and uh, that's very important to us. So, what do you mean by ethical profits? Okay, so um, I want to see people succeed as a business owner, as an employee, as a contractor, artist, whatever you are, whatever it is you do. I I, I truly want to see you succeed, and. I've noticed over the years there's a lot of businesses out there that only care about the bottom line and the working conditions are shitty. Um, the attitudes are bad. The management's horrible. Like the micromanagement, it's just, it's, it's a toxic environment. Um, so we are a business. We do want to make money obviously, but we want the profits that we make to be ethical, meaning we treat people with respect. We have a great work environment. If the printer is, you know, a printer and a thermofax are crucial to a tattoo artist, if that's broken, it's replaced within the hour, not within the day, within the hour. Um, you know, that if somebody needs time off for, you know, an emergency or a family situation or for grieving a loved one that's been lost, they get that. Um, and this all... It, it kind of sounds like it's it, it's kind of overlapping with like eth- ethical profits and, and like company culture. Yeah. But it all does boil down to ethical profits. So if somebody lost a loved one and they need a week off, take a week off. You know? We always say family first with us. Fa- it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's so true too, man. Like, and you, and you get better results that way. Like, totally. don't be stressed. Don't be worried about having to come to me and ask me for, for time off or this or that. Like, just do it. Yeah. Like and and I don't know about you, but for for us, like with our 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 management, it's do whatever you need to do to take care of your family. We'll be here. Yeah, just make sure you get your job done. Yeah, you know. So, well, Cookie, I I appreciate you being here so much, man. This has been incredible. Love it. It's Love been it. it's been fun. I'm excited for the rest of the night. Hang out. Have a good yeah, time. We're, we're in your hometown. That's right. We're going to celebrate. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for dropping so much knowledge for the Remote Star Nation. 
I look forward in the future to having you back on here and, and continuing to see your success. And, uh, yeah, with that said, brother, thank you. I appreciate it greatly. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's so great to catch up. And, uh, yeah, and also your success too, man. You know, like you've uh, – it, it's cool to see everything grow from, from ink addict days to, you know, what you're doing now and what would movement. And, yeah, it's it's killer. Thank you, brother. We're both just starting and, and we're both young in our business careers. And I'm excited to, to, to continue and see it go. But before we say goodbye – I want to, will you let everybody know where they can find you? Where, where should they go look online? Totally. So um, I would say first go to, uh, you know, Instagram, check out Rebel Muse Tattoo. So at Rebel Muse Tattoo. And from there, you can find all the shops. Um, you can also check out our website, rebelmusetattoo.com. And uh, my Instagram is the real cookstagram. And from there, you'll find links to everything that I'm involved in. Um, you'll see some raw shit here and there, so you know, <laughs> be prepared. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I, uh, I appreciate you guys listening, and uh, hope to be back on again. Well, with that, Remote Star Nation, I hope you could put everything that Cookie said, drop it into your life. Start today. Start something now. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you all for joining us on this journey. As I help you to start your business, grow your brand, and create your desired lifestyle. Now remember, leave a comment, subscribe, share this episode with your community who you think could learn from what you heard here today. And until next time, go start something, start today, and go build the lifestyle you desire by taking action on it now. Well, Remote Start Nation, we have come to the end of another episode. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Woodward Movement your go-to for brand identity, branded merchandise, and brand delivery. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head on over to remotestartpodcast.com or our social channels to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free resources to help you on your journey. And as always, please don't forget to share the Remote Start Podcast with your friends and colleagues you think would enjoy being part of the Remote Start Nation. Until next time.